Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about full gear from this past Saturday and what an AEW pay-per-view it was. Eddie Kingston challenging John Moxley for that AEW World Championship. Could Darby Allen be the new face of AEW Dynamite on TNT? And the Young Bucks, can they win those tag titles for a first time? And how about this? The Bucks using a little psychology in their match on Saturday as well. We talk about it all right now on the Busted Open Podcast. I'm going to say this. As an entire show, it was extremely entertaining. Um, Entertaining, whether it's COVID times, entertaining because it's uh, we don't know really what's going on in America with the, uh, you know, there's so much negativity around the whole presidential thing. There's so much negativity in general. You know, it's just a entertaining show to take you away from all the crap that's going on, right? Yeah. Impossible to come away from that three hours of rest, actually three hours plus, I think, of wrestling and not be entertained. However, we're gonna get uh, we're, we're gonna dive deep into some of these matches because I'm I think I might have a different opinion than you on a couple of them because there are certain things that still continually might, don't make sense. All right, and you, what, what do we label you as? The you know you you, you tighten the screws. You're a screw tightener. So, one day we're gonna get the so one day we're gonna get the clean the cleaner versus the tightener. <laughs> he cleans, I tighten. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more realism to you, bully. So my money would be on you in that altercation. But I digress because let's get to full gear and let's start at the end and let's start at the top and let's start with the main event that we saw at full gear, bully. Because and the reason why is because we talk so much about that match going into Saturday night. We had Eddie Kingston on our show. And, man, I mean, Eddie Kingston in that 30-minute sit-down that we had with him last week, to me, sold you on the pay-per-view itself. I mean, honestly, going into Saturday night, most people were talking about Moxley and Eddie Kingston, which is a great job by Eddie Kingston because with all MJF and Jericho and and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page and the Bucks and FDR, you know, Eddie Kingston in a very short amount of time really was the main story going into Saturday night. And do you believe that as well? Yes, without a doubt, that was the main story going into Saturday night on the post AEW full gear conference call Moxley said and I quote I know me and Eddie can sell a match in four weeks I don't agree with John Moxley on that 
Because, yeah, you needed Moxley there, but I don't think Moxley had anything to do with the selling of this match. I think it was all Eddie Kingston, because that's all people were tweeting us about or calling us about. Nobody called us or tweeted us and say and said, I'm buying full gear because of John Moxley. They weren't even saying I'm buying full gear because of John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. They were saying I'm buying full gear because of Eddie Kingston. Yes. Period. So I get what Moxley's saying. I'm just I'm just trying to give Kingston the props he deserves with his mic work and his ability to draw people in and his ability to sell a ticket and not necessarily put an ass in the seat at Daly's place, but put an ass in a seat in a living room and make you want to click the buy button on pay-per-view. I want to put him over to the moon when it comes to his abilities that center around the business of the wrestling business, which is to sell, 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 and make them buy, buy, buy. Because then once the bell rang, things were a little different. Interesting. Because uh, I really enjoyed that main event match uh, from Saturday night. A couple of things from what you just said. And uh, our own Ed Robinson was at the media scrum after... Uh, full gear so we'll play some of the audio sprinkled throughout today's show uh, from that media scrum but you mentioned Moxley first of all Bully you could I'm, I'm sure you could you would uh, agree that Moxley is one of the more popular wrestlers uh, with AEW fans and he's one of the bigger names with AEW as well and he's also your world champion but I totally agree with you when it comes to selling of that match, it was all Eddie Kingston. I'll even take it a step further. Most people that called into our show last week said they were watching that match to root for Eddie Kingston because the, the story is so compelling. I mean, think about that. This is one of the more popular wrestlers in the entire company. And here comes Eddie Kingston, who's been with the company for a cup of coffee. He's going after the world championship. He's the heel, and he's the one that's being cheered, and he's the one that a lot of fans are behind because of the story. And again, goes back to what you always say, Bully, is that you love a little realism in your wrestling? Well, you can't get more real than Eddie Kingston. And you're right. You know, Moxley saying, hey, give us a month. We could sell a pay-per-view. You give Eddie Kingston 30 minutes on Busted Open. He sells you the main event of a pay-per-view right there. Now... You do get to the a match does need to take place. So you can have a build, you can have a story, you can have realism, you can have a feel good story, but then there does need to be a match. So we had that main event match, bully. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts of what you thought of that main event match from Saturday. Now you go first. Okay. Well, I loved it. I really did. Um, I have to admit and I think most of the nation would probably agree, Bully, that I was rooting for Eddie Kingston. I wanted to see a title change take place on Saturday night. And I knew it was going to be bloody. I knew it was going to be brutal. We saw, We. I, I mean, you think you've seen everything. And they actually threw out some things with the alcohol being one of them that I don't think I've ever seen in a wrestling ring before. And... Uh, I didn't think it would happen, but Moxley did get Eddie Kingston to say I quit. A little bit too quick for me, 
Eddie Kingston said I quit, especially with the brutality that took place in that match. I thought it would take a lot more for Eddie Kingston to say I quit, but I have to say, top to bottom, I thought it was a really good match. I was entertained by it, and I really thought it showed the best of Moxley, and I don't think the story with Eddie Kingston is finished just yet. What were you entertained by? What was going on that you really got into? What was... Give me some meat and potatoes. Tell me what you were able to invest to other than violence for the sake of violence. Well, I mean, it was violent, but I think there were, I think, I don't think it was violence just for the sake of violence. I actually thought, and again, I got to give a lot of credit to Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, by the way, uh, bully. And I'm not just blowing smoke. Another great night for Jim Ross. I thought Jim Ross was phenomenal on Saturday night. So I really enjoyed the commentary and they did a good job of selling that story. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those matches bully that, you know, the violence did overtake me. And I think it was a little bit better done than the lights out match that we saw with Moxley and Kenny Omega a year ago. Um, I thought there was a method to the madness. And I think from Eddie Kingston and from what we heard from Eddie Kingston, I, I, I don't know. If you want to say it was violence for the sake of violence, I, I was I was I was really entertained by that match Saturday night. Fair enough. Let me compare it to a couple of things. Okay. Try to uh, flush this out. Um, take your top three I quit matches that you've ever seen in your wrestling career and did it top any of those I quit matches? It did not. No. Okay. I, I mean, it, it, I mean, the, the first two that come to mind is the Magnum TA Tully Blanchard match, and then I even tweeted about it, uh, the Terry Funk Ric Flair match. Did it did it overcome those? Of course, those are two of the most iconic matches of all time. So no, to answer your question. Do you think it was a main event on a show that had Kenny and uh, Hangman Page, Cody and Darby, uh, FTR and the Bucks, MJF and Jericho? Do you think it was a good last match and exceeded... Uh, not exceeded expectations, but was a better match than all of the other matches. Oof. Was it a better match than all of the other matches? Wow. Um, I thought it was fitting to be the main event match. It was the championship match. Um, the story going in, it deserved to be the main event match. I, I don't know if I can say that it was the best match on the show. No. Do you think that the physical intensity in that match or the 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 struggle of the match matched the verbal intensity of the promos leading up in the past four weeks i would say yes i thought it did okay. i thought yes i did not think it was to me it was an i quit match in name mm -hmm. i did not feel like they told a story other than just trying to use the same old violence that we've seen. It almost is becoming passe for John Moxley to do his CZW-esque uh, violence deathmatch stuff, and now you add Eddie to the mix, and that's what you're going to get. 
It's just here we're going to use this first to try to hurt each other. Then we're going to walk over here and try to use this to hurt each other. Then we're going to try to walk over here and do this. We'll sprinkle in a little Japanese psychology where I drop you on your head. You know, sell it. I drop you on your head. You know, sell it. Then we chop each other, chop each other, chop each other. And then we go back to using some, some other, uh, you know, some other prop. I didn't feel like there was a flow to the match. And one of my concerns that I talked about last week, and I even asked Eddie, was about his injuries slowing him down and hampering him. I thought it plotted at times. And I thought there could have been a lot more thought put into the psychology of the match. Whether that psychology was... um, uh moxley using every weapon to try to get that uh what was it a a a rear choke bulldog right if he would have used a a chair to use that rear choke bulldog if he would have used um uh whatever other props that they used in the match to do it and then finally won with the barbed wire rear choke bulldog anything that shows me that he was going to target a body part of uh, Eddie Kingston. It was, it would, to me, it was a very typical match of those two. And I wasn't looking for typical because if you would have asked me beforehand, all right, bully, what are Moxley and Eddie going to do to each other? Well, they're just going to use a bunch of uh, weapons on each other. It's going to be violent. You'll probably get a little bit of blood, yada, yada. And, and that's what happened. And I saw. A lot of other matches tell better stories. See, I, I, I mean, I looked at it a little bit differently um, because when I was watching that matchup, and and listen, I mean, that match was physical, and maybe I just got over. You might be right, bully. I might have got overcome by the violence and the physicality of it because you know, in a lot of the wrestling we watch now, and we talk about it. You know, physic physicality takes a backseat over athleticism. And it was kind of cool and refreshing in a way to see a match like the knees that Moxley were giving Kingston to the face, like, like wow. And, and you know, you know, and I, I, I know it's props, but the tax and the the, the alcohol on top of the tax aren't the tax becoming passe. I, I, I agree with you, but I think they took it to another. I think it came went to another level with the alcohol, like it's it, a CCW it, it, trick. I know, but it's something that you don't really see on a okay. on a, uh you know in a in a mainstream show like like we saw on Saturday with AEW. You mentioned the chops, like again, like Eddie Kingston did. I thought a phenomenal job selling those chops. He really did. Like shit, that stings. You know, I I, I really like that. Eddie, by the way, Eddie Kingston did a great job of of selling throughout that match, and it just felt like to me that. Eddie Kingston ran out of gas. And listen, Eddie Kingston had no problems wearing a very tight outfit on Saturday that showed his gut and not only showed his gut, but like had a belt on where the gut is hanging over the belt. And it felt like to me, he just ran out of gas. Like just before we saw that bulldog show, like he's on his knees and he's just, he's just like, he's finished. He's done. He's got nothing. He had nothing left. It, it, I just felt now, like... Now, are you saying that he had nothing left because that was the story of the match, or he had nothing left because of his conditioning? I, I think 
and that all plays into the story that they were telling in the match. That's how I got it. Because if you're going to show Eddie Kingston in the middle of the ring on his knees and he barely has enough energy to give Moxley the middle finger like he is completely gassed, you might take it as like, well, you know what? The guy is a bit out of shape and he's gassed. Or they that might be the story they're telling too. Like they were if you Eddie, if you have to say they might be telling, then they weren't telling the story clear enough. You should never go, well, they might be telling this story. No. Wrestling should be very crystal clear in the story that they're trying to tell you. You don't want to give people a chance to think. You don't want them going, hmm, maybe, uh. So was Eddie out of gas? Was my, he blown up? My interpretation was that's the story that they were telling. I mean, because Eddie Kingston threw everything at Moxley, and Moxley was, not that he was fine, but he was able to overcome it. Moxley threw everything at Eddie Kingston, and he could not, he could not overcome it. And couldn't, that, you that, make an, couldn't you make a very valid argument that John Moxley is not only in better shape than Eddie Kingston, but superior ring shape than Eddie Kingston? Yes. So maybe Eddie Kingston was really gassed. It's 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 possible, but I also feel like that could have been the story. Hey, Eddie Kingston, feel good story. You know, he, he, this is his his opportunity. But you know what? He can't measure up to the AEW World Champion. I thought they did a good job with the physicality and the violence but it's nothing that i had not seen before it was nothing that shot shocked me um when you when i start to see tax these days i start to roll my eyes the same way i do when i see kendo sticks unless the kendo stick is the actual story of the uh, of the match or of the story um I felt like their promo battles were better. I felt it more. My concern for this match was Eddie's ability in a ring, and Eddie's abilities in a ring have only been indie level. We have to be very honest about Eddie. He's only wrestled on the indie level. He's never been... He's never been on one of these legit pay-per-views. I don't care about what he did in NWA for the short period of time. That has, it, it does not measure up in scale to this show. And this show had a lot of good stuff on it. So when you open with Kenny versus Hangman, the AEW's version of Detroit Rock City, and you grab yes. him by the throat, and now you're giving me Cody and Darby, and you're giving everything else that was on the card. And now here's my main event. I just kind of felt... Ah, oh, man, I wish there was some more thought put into this than just, all right, we'll use this, and then we'll use this, and then we'll use this, and we'll throw in a couple of Japanese little throws here. I was looking for a little more, but I didn't think we were going to get a little more just on the fact that Eddie hasn't done this ever at a it's main a event level, ever. It's a lot. And he's going to be considerably more rusty than John is. So you wanted to start with the main event, but I didn't think the main event was the was the the best match on the show. Hey. 
everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Bully, what happens now to Eddie Kingston? Uh, Boxley extended his hand to Eddie Kingston. Eddie wouldn't wouldn't shake it, had some choice words, and left the ring. Was that the last we saw of Eddie Kingston with John Moxley? Because I got to be honest with you, whether you, whether you give a thumbs up to that match or not, it was such a good story between the two. What What is next for Eddie Kingston? I definitely don't want to see any more from Eddie Kingston and, and John Moxley. I think they need to move on because I was not enthralled with the main event. And Eddie said, I quit. So that's it. You said you quit. You, we have to move on now. There's no next level to go to. It's not like I, I said I quit because of this or I gave up, but I never said I quit. Case in point, Bully and Flip Gordon. Bully never mm-hmm. said he quit. You know, that was his crutch to fall back on. If they would have did that with Eddie... That would have worked, you know? I also didn't feel like the referee was asking enough. And maybe it's just something that passed passed me by, but I never felt like the ref was really there asking, do you quit? Do you quit? You know, the, the ref does play a part. You know, we're always talking about how the refs should be in the background. In an I quit match, the refs have got to be right there. Do you want to quit? And you said in break, should the referee have had a microphone? Well, yeah, maybe the ref should have had a microphone. It's where you can hear the grunting and the selling. And maybe that adds it. No, no, I don't quit. No, screw him. I don't quit. Whatever. And you want to talk about pouring alcohol on a wound. And we were talking about what's the story of the match. And we saw the physical pouring of alcohol on a wound. Dave, what was the go? What was the crux of the go home promo? What did Moxley say to Eddie that really got under Eddie's skin? Well, he talked about he talked about his mom. He, t- you know, it, it, you know, he and and he got so enraged that Kingston actually walked off because he could. You know what I would have did if I was John Moxley? I would have had a picture of Ruthie in my pocket. And at the right time, I would have pulled that picture out of my pocket and showed it to him. And then I would have ripped it up in his face. You want to talk about pouring alcohol on a wound? That would have sent Eddie into a tizzy and maybe taken him out of his game where now Moxley could have taken advantage of it. That little point right there is what I'm talking about storytelling. You mentioned Ruthie in the promo, and it sent him all into the deep end. Why not be carrying a picture? Could you imagine if some dude that you were in a fight with, Dave, pulled out a picture of your mother? It's on. Yeah, it's it's. It, if you're gonna if you're gonna use it, use it. You mentioned it in the promo on on Wednesday. It got under his skin to the point he stormed off because can't get physical. There's no way I can stand in your presence and not get physical, so I'm walking off. So it's a it's a it's a really good point. Let me ask you this, bully: Is it because Moxley is the baby face in that situation? Are there certain things you can't do 
because of that. It's an I quit match. You do anything you need to do to win the match. You know, what if Moxley would have just pulled out the picture over the mother to show Eddie and Eddie took it the wrong way. And then we found out later on that, you know, uh, you know, uh, that that Moxley carried around the picture just out of respect for Eddie's mom. But Eddie took it the right. You could go a million yeah. ways with it. I don't want to. I don't want to bog this down in detail semantics. What's what, what? What did it really mean? It's just a picture, but that was the story. That was the crux of the grow home promo. If I see John Moxley pull out a picture of 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 Eddie Kingston's mom, even if he just throws it at Eddie in the ring and Eddie looks at it, and all of a sudden, in the midst of the violence, breaks down in tears. And while Eddie Kingston is crying and reverts and, and sits down Indian style, and he's rocking back and forth, looking at the picture of his mom. That's all of a sudden where, where, where Moxie comes across with those knees. It's a story. It's something that ties in to the promo. Now I don't come on the show and I go, ah, it was just violence for the sake of violence. I was like, ooh, the story. Moxley used the mother, brought the mother in to get inside of, of Eddie's head. You know? Conversely, Eddie whips out a picture of Renee. I'm not saying like you rip out a picture and I rip out a picture. <laughs> no, I get it. I'm just saying there's certain you know, things to the story that makes it a little bit more than than the focus just being on the violence that's taking place in the ring. Correct. Something that's going to tug at the other guy's heartstrings. So the picture of the mom is something that I probably would have done myself or suggested. Because, man, what a story that could be told. You, you, that's like that's like the record scratching. Like you're in the middle of all this violence and barbed wire and chair and this and that, and all of a sudden, here's a picture of your mother. Man, the picture of the mother hurts more than the alcohol on the tack wounds. That's your tit for tat right there. And you know what? I do agree with you about the mi microphone. Go back and watch Funk and Flair. Tommy Young is just as important as Flair and Funk in that match because he continually acts, asks throughout the match, do you quit? Do you give up? And, and, and hearing Funk say no and hearing uh, Flair say no. But I think the one thing, and I, I did this, I love the match, but the one thing I did say at the beginning, Bully, is that I never did hear Eddie Kingston say I quit. That's the climax that's the ending. That's the that's the exclamation point at the end of the story. You got to hear that clear as day. That microphone's got to be in Eddie Kingston's face so you can hear him say, "I quit." I like the match, bully. Not a big fan. Want to hear what the nation thinks? No, that's wrong. I did not say I was not a big fan of the match. I said I wish there could have been more storytelling. I said, I've seen it before, and I've come to expect it from Moxley and Moxley versus Kingston. I think the both of those guys are smart enough to tell me a bet uh, or to give me a better I quit match. And I'm not going to go into it, but you saw a really damn good I quit match two years ago, Dave. So you know what I'm talking about. Storytelling from beginning to end that wrapped everything up in a nice bow. 
Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. I got to be honest with you, Bully. That that show went by fast. I did not feel that length of a show. You know, when I guess when you have that entertaining of a show, you feel that way. And honestly, judging from social media, I didn't hear a lot of people complain about the length of the show either. Most AEW fans are programmed to not complain. So uh, most uh, NXT or WWE fans are probably not going to buy the show or not go out of their way to watch it. So that's why you're not seeing any complaining. AEW fans are very much fall in line and like everything that we do. So they're not going to complain. And if AEW fans don't like hearing that, that's your fault. That's a you problem, not a me problem. That's the way it is. They're still in the they're they're in a honeymoon phase. They're they're yeah, still in a honeymoon phase. No, it's over yeah, a year now. I yeah, it's still a honeymoon phase. phase with their fans, especially with COVID, where COVID affected everything so much that people are just going to love it no matter what. And you know what? I kind of agree. I I can I, I, overall entertaining show. How in the, how in the hell can I sit here and go? That's a bad show. First of all, it wasn't a bad show. It was a good show. But with everything that's going on, you got three hours and 40 minutes of an entertaining pay-per-view. Do I, do I agree with everything I saw? No. Am I going to be critical of some things? Yes. Overall, was it entertaining? Absolutely. I thought I thought it was a great show. Though, Bully, you said about the match that you thought was the best of the night. So which match for you takes that prize? Which match do you think I thought was match of the night? <laughs> I love I love. I love when you do this. Um, it's easy for me to just say what I thought, but this is based on everything that we talk about, and this is also how I gauge whether or not you listen to me and are actually learning, because uh, I like when you learn something. <laughs> because you don't want to learn anything. You've gotten to 49 years old. You're like, I don't want to learn anything. I don't want any new friends. I don't want anything. Blah, 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 blah. I just want to read my wrestling magazine for the hundredth time. I'm good. So uh, which match do you think I thought was the best? Cody and Darby Allen. Ding, 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 circle gets the square. <laughs> Why? Uh, first of all, the one thing that Cody brings uh, to pro wrestling is pro wrestling. Like, I know that sounds crazy, uh, but he really is He probably more than anybody at AEW. He's a pro wrestler. And, uh, you know, he brings that competitive athletic, um, j- j- that competitive feel to every match, and I thought he did an excellent job once again on Saturday night. Uh, to me, it wasn't even close what the best match of the night was, and it wasn't the best match of the night because Cody was involved or because Darby was involved. It was because the two wrestlers in the ring told me a clear-cut story. It was about the arm. Cody worked on Darby's arm, put him in the hammerlock, threw him over the top rope, messed up his arm pretty good. You know what else I loved about that match? When Cody threw Darby Allen over the top rope and landed him in the hammerlock, what did Mike Keota do? 
Mike Kyoto, by the way, which the referee, over to the, the referee. Uh, yes, Mike. Um, I don't remember. What did he do? He went outside, checked on Darby Allen for a half a second, got right back in the ring and started to count. Exactly what I talk about on this show. If the ref is going to leave that ring, it should be just to check on the guy for a half a second. Are you okay? Do you want to continue? Yes. Okay. I'm going back in the ring and doing my job now. And when I see that, I love it because that's what a ref should do. That makes sense to me. The ref should not be out there forever. Conversely, in the Sasha versus Bailey match that opened up SmackDown on Friday night, the ref did the same thing. And I'm, I'm real happy when I see stuff like that because now I know we're not taking the referee and the credibility of the referee and just throwing it out the door. And first of all, by the way, like you, when you mentioned, when you mentioned Mike Kyoto, like, how about Jim Ross putting him over to the moon? Like he compared him to Jim Tunney, like, you know, Jim Tunney back in the day refereed every Super Bowl. So, like, uh, Jim Ross put him over like, hey, this guy's got 33 years experience. And you almost can feel, Bully, and I could be wrong, like, like Cody insists on these things. Like, you're talking about, like, the referee coming out there, checking, and then getting back in the ring and starting. It's almost like Cody insists that this is the way that it needs to be if you're going to referee a Cody Rhodes match. Uh, I don't know if he insists on it because I've seen enough things in the past that uh... – have me scratching my head. I'll say that they're getting better at it. Okay. I'll say that maybe somebody's bringing these little things up and maybe they're hearing it or finding out about finding out about it and they're tightening their screws. Last night, just that little thing. I love the fact that Cody worked on Darby's arm. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that Kyoto went out and checked on him. There was I, I wrote down this match has good psychology. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not look, just looking for a bunch of moves. Yeah, you could have a match on the show that just has a bunch of moves, but I prefer a match that has good psychology with a bunch of moves. And you know what, too? Credit to Darby Allen. When Darby Allen went outside that ring and he fell on his arm, the expression on his face, the pain that was on his face, that told the story as well. I'm glad you said that. Because Darby o. Allen sold that move about a gazillion times better than John Moxley sold rubbing alcohol being poured on his back with thumbtacks in it. Interesting. Do you know what it feels like to have thumbtacks stuck in your skin? Uh, I mean, a little prick here and there, not to the extent of No, John no, not Moxley. your personal life, not your personal <laughs> life. Do you know what it feels like to have thumbtacks stuck in your skin? Yes, I do. Not you do? How? I mean, I mean, I, I, I a thumbtack going into my skin, but not. Okay, obviously. here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a hundred thumbtacks today, lay them down on the ground, and take the back of your arm, slam no. your arm into the thumbtacks. No, okay, thank you. Feel that pain, and then when you're done with that pain, take the rubbing alcohol and pour it on the wound. See how you would react. I, I would you wouldn't be, be laying face down in the middle of a ring the way Moxley was. You would be writhing all over. You would be like that fish that just came out of water and got into the boat and flip it all around for its life. That's how you sell that kind of burning pain. So 
props to Darby Allen for selling that pain appropriately. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Let's go out to Guillermo in New Jersey. What's going on, buddy? How are you? This is first of all, this is awesome. This I'm first time caller, first time live caller, first time caller using SiriusXM. I just signed up. I usually only listen to the Apple Podcasts, which I don't get the full version, unfortunately. I just want to speak about full gear, if that's okay. All right, man. Hey, first of all, welcome to the live show. Welcome to being a first-time caller. You're going to get the full experience. So uh, welcome, my friend. Awesome, awesome. First of all, Bully Ray, awesome. I'm, I'm kind of like, like fangirling right now. But when full gear, I was, I was not going to buy it until I watched the, the, uh, the buy-in because it made me realize on how important each match is and how it can affect the future of 2021 and with each and each and every wrestler. Two of the promos that kind of got me into buying it was Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, and of course, Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. Notice how I said Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. But my favorite match was probably FTR and the Young Bucks, especially when Cash Wheeler went up to do a springboard on the top rope and did that 450, that was pretty much phenomenal. I did not expect that. That got me off my feet, even though they lost. Um, super stoked that the Young Bucks finally won a tag team in AEW, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, bud. You said your favorite match is uh, FTR versus the Young Bucks, right? 100%. The only time you felt the need to come off your feet is when, uh, oh, when no. Wheeler... No the, whole ma- no, the whole match I was off my feet... But the only reason why I was super, super excited, because I didn't think that Cash Wheeler can actually do that. And the only reason why I say that is coming from, you know, NXT and then going to the WWE, you know, to Raw and SmackDown, they always said no flips, only fifth. I never knew that he can do that. So seeing that for the first time was really, really cool. And, and you know what? That got me off my feet. Great first time call. Awesome. And you're welcome anytime, my friend. And thank you for subscribing to SiriusXM and also supporting the Busted Open podcast that you can get at Apple Podcasts. Bully, uh, I, I love this story. I, I've said it. I've been honest with the nation and with you that I've never been the biggest Young Bucks fan. Um, just that style just never did it for me. And last Saturday night, they, they did a really good job telling a story. FTR as well. Because... The caller just said Guillermo. He talked about the fist. They're all about the fist. And seeing them do some of those moves that they performed Saturday night was not like them. You're not used to seeing that. But also the fists are what hurt them on Saturday night as well. What did the Young Bucks do? They attacked their hands. Uh, so they couldn't use their fist. Like, I, I, I really liked, believe it or not, I'm going to actually say this in the same sentence, uh, I love the psychology in the match with the Young Bucks on Saturday night. You liked the psychology because there was some psychology there. There was a story told in the match. 
there's a lot to break down with FTR and the Bucks. I can uh, I wrote a bunch of notes on them. However, I want to start with the finish. I did not love the finish. I see you shaking your head and smiling, <laughs> yeah. but why do you think I did not love the finish? Um, and and you by bringing it up, you're probably going to swerve me here a little bit, bully. But um, I instantly thought of you, and and that is Matt Jackson. The whole match they're selling that ankle of Matt Jackson, and the finish was the super kick using the bad ankle to beat FTR. It's hard for me to believe that you have the injury. They're going after that ankle. That ankle has been weakened the entire match, and you're going to win it with the super kick using that bad leg. Now, he did a great job of selling that bad leg even after the super kick, but it's not about the selling of the injury. It's about not only using that leg, but that you would get enough power in that leg to be able to perform that finish. You would think that would be the obvious answer. Yes. Okay, it's not. I agree with you. Yeah, the bad ankle. How could you possibly hit it? But it was like a desperation last shot. So I'm okay with it. I think they missed a really huge aspect of the story that was right there in front of them that they got half right. What move did Wheeler try to attempt? What, that last one just before uh, just yeah. before the pinning attempt? Yeah. I don't remember. Please, please. It was a springboard me. 450. That's right, yes. Could, which, which can be classified as what type of move? A what? A flip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's – but and. That's the story that they were telling throughout the match is like, you know, FTR don't do flips. They do fists. They were actually trying to do more of the flips because they couldn't use their fists. So if it's no flips, all fists or all flips, no fists, if you tried to do a flip and you lost the match, what should the finish have been? It should have been a fist. A fist. Instead of the double super kick from the Young Bucks, double punch by the Young Bucks, roll them up, one, two, three. So the flips is what caused FTR the match, and the fists is what beat FTR in the match. You know, Bully, as you're saying this, a lot of people on social media picked up on that as well. And, okay. And, and 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 here's the thing though, Bully, is that a lot of fans were firing back. One in particular where it was like, you don't ask the Rolling Stones to do Beatles songs. And in theory, I guess that's something cute to say, but I completely agree with you, Bully, in the fact that forget about what the young bucks do. It's about the story that's being told in the ring. And here I am saying, and again, I respect the Young Bucks. You know, I don't agree that the Young Bucks have hurt wrestling. If anything, the popularity of pro wrestling in, over the last few years is in point because of the Young Bucks. But the reason why I love that match as much as I did on Saturday is because they used the psychology. Just like you were saying with the main event with Moxley and Eddie Kingston, and this is why I love the tightening of the screws, 
the story that they were telling on Saturday, especially when they targeted the hands of FTR. That's their strength are their fists. To be able to turn the tables and use that against them because they already were using it against them. They couldn't use their fists. Then instead of, man, instead of going, I know it's what you want to do. I know it's what your, it's, it's what your finish is. It's what you're built on. But imagine not using the super kick and using their fist to finish that match would have been a masterpiece. And it then really it takes, would have elevated it from a great match to a, ma- to a masterpiece. I really do believe that. It takes all fists and no flips to the next level. The flip put you missing the flip put you in the position for the fists to beat you and that to me would have been the perfect ending double punch he's out on his feet matt goes right behind him rolls him up there's the one two three Uh, a couple other things that i wrote down i want to give these guys props for a couple of things that i saw in the body of the match um i thought they did a good job i thought the uh they did a good job. FTR did a good job getting some heat on the ankle. Uh, I like how they worked to the hot tag, and there was a definitive hot tag to Nick Jackson. Now, Nick comes in on the hot tag, and what's the first thing he starts doing? What? He starts punching guys with his fists. Old school Ricky and Robert that's, hot that's, tag. That's Rock Express textbook. Start dropping guys with your fists. First, it plays into the story that the Bucks are using their fists on FTR. Also, that's the way you build a hot or you blow a, a comeback. You start with dropping guys with your fist. Fists, back elbows, clothesline, back drops. Then you can go into your move set. It's what gets people fired up. Um, l- let me ask you this. We saw a bunch of, uh, finishes, uh, Steiner finishes, um, um Hardy's, Hardy's, Hard Dudley's. We saw all of those. Yeah. We saw all of those, uh, um, finishes used within the body of the match. What did you think of the use of the tag team finishes? And why do you think that they were doing them? I, I think it was a bit of a tribute. I, I, I mean, a lot of people were bitching and complaining about, you know, kicking out at two to the finishes. And we've done discussions about kicking out at two when it came to the finishes. I kind of looked at that as a tip of the cap. Here is like the two best tag teams in AEW, and they wanted to do a little bit of a tribute. I had no problem with them doing I actually thought that was really cool that they did in the body of that match. So it was interesting. I got about four or five tweets that were saying, oh, God, Bully's going to blow his cap. He's going to be so pissed off. Can't wait to see how what he has to say on Monday about the Bucks doing all these tag team finishes, and, including the three, the Bucks and FDR doing all these tag team finishes, including the Bucks doing 3D. And then I probably got about two, two dozen tweets saying this was tribute to everybody. I liked what they did with the tag team finishes. I appreciate the tributes to all of the great tag teams. I don't think that they were trying to prostitute anything. What I would have done is I would have saved it for the end when it would have meant more. What a story that would have been told if on announced they would have said, kind of like two baseball teams going in in through their entire pitching rotation, they have no more pitchers left. 
if each one of these teams would have went through their entire repertoire and nothing would have worked, that they would have had to rely on other teams' finishes, that would have been a cool little story within the story and then get to the eventual finish. I like them doing uh, all of the, the, the great tag team finishes. I thought it – I think if there were people in the house, they would have appreciated yes. it so – more people in the house, they would have appreciated it so much more. Uh, I don't have a problem with guys kicking out because when when uh, the Bucks are hitting the Hardys finish or the Dudleys finish, well, it's not the Hardys or the Dudleys doing that finish. It's, that's why they – That's a great point, Bully. It's not them doing it. It's not their finish. So – you know what? If it was their own finisher, it would be a different story. And I could I, I could even break it down even more. I could even take them doing the 3D. They executed the 3D the wrong way. They did a single-leg flapjack into a cutter. 3D is a double-legged flapjack into the cutter, so they didn't get all of it. See? So my, my point is, you know, although I think um, I thought FTR did the Steiner's finish exceptionally, it was perfect. Perfect. They executed it really, really well. But my whole point is, well, why couldn't they win with these finishes? Well, it's not the guys that invented the finish using their finish. They're the guys that have perfected it and mastered it. Um, liked everything about it. Um, were there a lot of big moves that were getting kicked out of? Yeah. Um, the spike pile driver, getting up from that. Don't know how I feel about that. But listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bash it. It was a good tag team match. It was so good that it probably should have ended the show. You know, and it was a good moment for the young bucks as well. I mentioned our very own Ed Robinson was part of the media scrum. You know, after full gear, and he got these comments from Matt and Nick right after their big title win. When we started this company and we helped build this company, we always said tag team wrestling could be the main event. We yep. proved that tonight, and uh, I, that's. Probably one more goal that we would like to do is is make the next pay per view or whenever the next dynamite and I think a massive tag title match I think, as a main event. I think clearly, like it, it, we should have a big main event, and I think that after tonight, there's a big rematch down the line. And I the think FTR, are, those guys are machines. Yeah. It it was insane getting in there with them. I've it felt like it was man, it was like a out-of-body experience wrestling those guys. They were, like, dream. aggressive and oh hard-hitting. I told Nick afterward, they reminded me a lot of back in the day when we used to work guys like Roderick Strong right. and Brian Gangston and the Briscoes and yep. Claudio and Chris Hero. It's that same rugged uh, Smash Mouth style. They're probably the ring. best tag team I've ever been in the ring with. Fantastic. Wow, and that's from uh, the media scrum after Full Gear on Saturday night. And, Bully, you said – Hey, you know what? That could have been the main event on Saturday, maybe before too long, maybe even the next pay-per-view. You're going to see the Young Bucks defending those tag team championships in the main event. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 